Hi, this is Peter Rivera, and I'm the original drummer and lead singer of the group Rare Earth. We've had a long career, 50 years. We've played all over the world. We've recorded many, many albums and lots of hit singles. I'm going to talk about them all. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the stories. So I was saying that it was getting to be December, and we had another tour lined up for January. I don't know, January 4th or 5th, something like that. So along around Christmas time, I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to call Gil, wish him a Merry Christmas. I called, and phone rang and rang and rang, no answer. I called the next day, no answer. Called the next day, no answer. So I got a little concerned about, you know, why no answer? What What's happening? What's going on? So I call, uh, the band, Gil and I had decided that we would not do that tour in January because from my point of view, we would be having some time in that month to break in the new musicians that we were going to hire. So I called Wayne Wetzel, the agent, after I tried to reach Gil, and, and I was talking to him on the phone, and I said, Wayne, you know, can't, I'm not going to commit to that, that tour in January because, because we're going to have to have time to do some stuff that we need to do for the band. I really didn't care for Wayne Wetzel too much anyways. He was, uh, you know, I just couldn't bank on things I was told. Uh, you know, anyways. So I got Wayne Wetzel on the phone. I'm talking to him and I said, you know, I, I've been calling Gil. I, I can't find Gil. And he says, oh, he's here. I said, he's here? He's where? He says, here, Michigan. I said, oh, maybe for the holidays. He didn't say anything. And I says, oh, so what's going on there? Have you talked to him? He goes, oh, yeah. He says, uh, they're rehearsing. I said, they're rehearsing? He said, yeah, yeah, they're rehearsing. And I said, put Gil on the phone. So he came to the phone, believe it or not. And I said, Gil, what are you doing? And he told me that, you know, he was going to go on the road in January and he was just trying to make a living and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you're going to go on the road? Okay, so evidently they had some drummer that they were going to go on. Frosty, I think, was their drummer. So I can't even remember. I was so upset. So I, you know, I said, hey, Gil, what happened to the plans we had laid down and blah, 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 blah. He goes, well... Why don't you do it? And when you get it all set up, he says, let me know. And I says, oh, I'll let you know because you'll be on tour right now and blah, 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 blah. And so I was feeling pretty bad about it. Sorry. Sorry to say that I was, it was heavy drama for me. And so I went away from that and I thought, okay, what does all this mean? So I called back. Oh, I called the roadies who were in Detroit, and they, they, it was our link, you know. The roadies fill me in on this and that. And I said, hey, guys, where are the vehicles? And he said, one of the roadies says, in service, getting ready for the next tour. 
And I said, and the van, same thing, service. Oh, okay. I said, look, guys, uh, I, I want to know, are you guys owed any money? And they said, oh, yeah, you know, this and that, this and that. And I vaguely remember telling them, yeah, we'll take care of that, we'll take care of this. So we kind of owed them a little back pay. And so I told them, okay, look, guys, I don't want those vehicles going on the road in January because they're in my name. And if somebody should have a mishap and crash it, hurt somebody, whatever, it could ruin me forever. So I said, uh, roadies, do not take that truck and don't take that van. So I, I didn't want to put them in the middle, but I had to. So I called my brother, Phil. I said, Phil, I want you to go to the dealer and I will personally vouch for you, to, you know, which I did. And I want you to get the truck and bring it home. And then I want you to get the van and bring that home. And then I want you to sell both of them. What do you mean? I said, sell them. I said, and sell them and take the money and pay the roadies their back money. It's over. So I then called Gil and I said, don't take those those trucks, those vehicles. Well, Gil hit the ceiling. I mean, well, why not? What are you talking about? I said, and I told him why. And so then I got off the phone and I thought, you know, he's going to take them anyway. So I called the police and I said, hey, uh, what happens here? I have these vehicles, blah, blah. Told a little story. And I says, and they take them and I don't want them taken. He says, well, if you file a stolen vehicle report, he says, and they get stopped anywhere. He says, they'll be pulled out of the vehicles and lay face down in the road as an auto theft thing. And I thought, oh, I don't want that to happen. You know, I mean, come on. I was really in the middle. So I called my brother back and I said, just pick up the trucks, bring them home, and sell them. So he did. And there really wasn't any money uh, made from them, the engine and the truck was blown out and the van was sh in shreds. So there was no big money there, but there was some money left over and Phil gave it to the roadies. And uh, then that was it. Everything was over at that time. It was 1983 when uh, Rara stopped again. Now, Gil and the guys, I mean, you know, they kind of had the name thing, Rare Earth, and, and they could get booked. So they continued. I, I don't know exactly what they did or how they did it, but they continued. And, and Mark and Eddie uh, and Ray were with Gil. They had a bass player. And they went out and did shows. They still played the clubs and stuff like that. And after a while, I can't really put my finger on it, but they had they still had a lot of tension because, I mean, the whole bottom fell out of this thing. And Mark fell ill after he was let go from Gil. So Mark went down, I hear he went to Florida, and he had a, a lady in his life, his first wife, 
Pam, they had divorced way back in the 70s. And so Mark was now with another lady and, and uh, how do I say this? There were problems with alcohol and there were problems with drugs and it wasn't just Mark. I mean, it was, everybody was kind of doing it. But this didn't really uh, work with Mark and physically there was a problem with him and he passed. Yeah, it was terrible. In the meantime, Rare Earth kept going with a different keyboard player and kept going. And then Eddie, who used to have a little house on a lake just outside of Detroit, a really cute little place. And when you go there, these, these little homes are all on this bank of this lake. So you can walk from one home to the next if you just walk along the beach. So Eddie's little house was on the end there. And among some of the other people, I had met uh, people there because, you know, I, I knew Eddie. And so I got a call from one of the neighbors there. And they said, have you seen Eddie lately? And I hadn't. I mean, I hadn't talked to Eddie in years. So it turns out that shortly after that, Eddie passed. Yeah, it's, it seems like I heard that Eddie might, might have been diabetic or something. But anyways, it didn't work out for him and he passed. And of course, everyone was very sorry, you know. So I'm going to skip ahead here and tell you that what's left now is Gil and Ray. And over here, Peter Rivera. And somewhat Mike Urso. But once this thing folded in 84, Mike went on his own way. And it was just me over here and then eventually Ray and Gil there. And so they had Rare Earth and they kept doing dates and stuff like that and actually recording albums. They, they had a chance to record a couple albums with Motown the same way I had a chance to record uh, with, with John Ryan, uh, you know, the two albums. And life just kind of went on. I had kids and I just loved being home. And for those few years that I was home, like from 85 until 1990, 91, I would do some shows right in Los Angeles. And there was a fella that uh, used to call all the musicians and hire them for different, different events in Los Angeles. Some of the stuff really nice. Like we played, I sang... Uh, for a party after the Academy Awards. I sang for other functions, big ones like that, Weddings of the Super Rich. And <laughs> I even played for uh, uh, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore's wedding. Yeah, that was a fun night. But uh, yeah, and then I, I did uh, 
some great big things, you know, where I'd go in with my charts and there was a big band and <laughs> we'd do get ready and hey big brother and celebrate and you know, heard it through the grapevine and I'm in my tuxedo, everyone is. I mean it's just crazy. But you know, I was into doing crazy things. I just having fun with with life, whatever. So along with my kids and all that, I was enjoying things. And that was the last I ever heard from anybody in Rare Earth. It was 83. You know, I'll tell you, I'm going to move forward and, and tell you that um, while I'm going through this stuff, sometimes things come in my mind. It doesn't have anything to do with that time of the year or the day or the month or anything. But I wanted to tell you about one show we got to play as Rare Earth. This is back before Rare Earth broke up the very first time, which was in 74. It was called California Jam. And we were told it was going to be a big thing. I think it's ABC was going to film the whole thing. And oh gosh, it was unbelievable as the date came closer and closer. We were getting more excited because we heard more information about it that there were going to be two, three hundred thousand people out there. So it was the day of the show, or actually it was the night before the day of the show. And we left our homes and we went to Ontario and we checked into a hotel. And in the morning, real early in the morning, we were to go over, we were going to be the first group at the Cal Jam. It was like 9.40 in the morning. So anyways, at 7 o'clock, we were hotel, which was right near there. And there were so many people that there was no, how are we going to get in there? Well, then we found out that right beside the hotel was a helicopter. And so we all got in the helicopter, and it went up, and it went out, and it went over the crowd in a couple big circles and the crowd was massive it was incredible and it sat down behind the stage in a huge area you know designed for the helicopter stuff and then all the food the refreshments all that stuff for the for the band members and there we were California Jam I know that we were pretty nervous at the time because I mean you can imagine I don't remember too much about the show because there was a whole lot of a whole lot of stress going on you know we're on stage and looking out at a sea of people and and realizing that because of the security all the crowd was quite a ways away from the stage and the stage was stories high you know it's just massive and so while you're on stage you're not really having a real close communication with the crowd you're just up there doing your thing and the crowd however they are watching it they're watching it they're, they're enjoying it so we played and we got through with it and I think we probably played every song like five times faster than it's supposed to be. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember it was quite a spectacle. And we happened to be there. 
So it was pretty fascinating the way they set this thing up. I'll tell you about it. Well, thanks for listening. My name is Peter Rivera, original lead singer-drummer of Rare Earth, and I really appreciate that you've listened to these podcasts. I hope you come back and check out more. I've got a lot ahead of us and a lot of the story for you, so come on back and hang with me for a while.